Wonderful worship song. Down from His glory. Aren't you glad He came down from His glory just for you? Sure did. <clears throat> we mentioned <clears throat> that we started last week this series entitled, Lord, Increase Our Faith. And uh, we talked about some goals for this study. As in every series I do as your pastor, I have some goals that uh, your faith would be increased. Obviously, if it says, Lord, increase our faith, I think that's probably a, a good goal. But it, that it will also be strengthened, that you would grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that you would be active in your faith. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, as a pastor, I'm tired of passive faith. Faith is active. Faith produces some things. And, and so four times in God's Word, we looked at last week, uh, He said, the just shall live by faith. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38, right before we started looking at Hebrews chapter 11, we looked at. So we looked at last week, we looked at the differentiation of faith, you remember. <clears throat> we looked at people that have mere intellectual faith. Those are people that may say, well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, James said, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The believing in God is just not enough, amen. And then there's dead faith. There's faith that doesn't produce any works at all. And James, again, uh, in that same passage said, Look, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Meaning real faith will produce works. So then we talked about saving faith. That is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is realizing you're a sinner. Repenting and turning to Jesus Christ. That's what it is to have saving faith. By the way, five-year-olds can do that. Fifty-five-year-olds can do that. Twenty-five-year-olds. Anybody in between. Amen. As long as you can understand that you're a sinner, that sin has a payment, that Jesus loves you, He made your payment for you. Amen. And if you trust Him, He will apply that payment to your account. Amen. The differentiation of faith. Then we looked at the description of faith. We looked at faith's definition. I, I like Chris Wells, I guess, probably most. Faith is the solid, unshakable confidence in God, which is built upon the assurance that He will be faithful to His promises. You know what, in essence, he's saying there? Faith is trust in this. It's trusting what God said. It's, it's living that way. So we looked at faith's definition and faith's production, how faith produces substance or confidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it also produces evidence, the evidence of things not seen. How can you believe in a God whom you've never seen? You know what? I've never seen China. But I got some evidence that it's there. Huh? I got some evidence that God exists, amen. I got evidence all around me, amen. We walk by faith and not by... But I'll tell you what, there's a lot in our sight that says that God exists, amen. So we looked at the description of faith, faith's definition, faith's production. Then we talked about the decoration of faith in verse number 2 there, where it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Those that are in heaven today uh, with God have a good report only because of one thing. It's not because of the wonderful works that they did, because all our works are as filthy rags. 
It's because they place their faith in Christ. So we talked about the decoration of faith, the description of faith, the differentiation of faith. Hey, how about this? The deduction of faith, verse number three. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Boy, wherever you are on the creation issue, I'll tell you this. When you trust Jesus Christ, it's very simple. You go back to Genesis 1.1, and you look and where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'll tell you what, whatever I thought before I was saved, Brother Kinser, when I got saved after that, I said, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Amen. The, the, the deduction of faith concerning the origin of the universe, but also concerning the order of the universe. The worlds were framed by the word of God. And then it says this, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You know, that's, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, that's the problem for the evolutionist. God Almighty, it's the problem. It's the one they can't overcome. Every, listen to me, everybody, when it comes to the origin of the universe, becomes a philosopher. Everybody. Everybody, because you know what? None of us were there. So we all got to take somebody else's word for it. We as believers just take somebody else's word for it. Amen, Amen. exactly. But that, that evolutionist, he, he can't, no matter what, in a laboratory, when he takes a, 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 seals up an environment and puts nothing in there, you know what he's going to have in 100 years? Nothing. And in 1,000 years, he's going to have nothing. And nothing from nothing never created nothing. Now, I know it's not very good grammar, but it's true. Amen? The order of the universe, the origin of the universe. I'll tell you what it is. It's just a deduction of faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And that the thing, everything that appears, listen, God created it. God created it. Amen? So we looked at the deduction of faith and the decoration of faith and the description of faith and the differentiation of faith. Today, we begin looking at the character studies that are in this chapter, and there are so many. We're, we're going to go through uh, just about all of them. Amen? And uh, the first one here that's given to us is a character named Abel. And we read about him in Genesis chapter 4. <clears throat> but look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4. And we see his name mentioned here. <clears throat> and again, there's that key word. You'll see it over and over and over and over in this chapter. I want to tell you here, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. You need Him. You need Him. Amen. He is our righteousness. We're going to talk about that in this chapter. Without Him, we are dead in our sins. Listen, and not only are we dead, we're going to be judged for our sins. That's why Jesus came, to be judged for our sins. You need Him. So when it says, by faith, I believe these Old Testament characters were looking forward to the day when Messiah would come. Amen? And they were placing their faith in Him. And so it says here, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and he being dead, yet speaketh. So this great character, Abel, that we know very little about, really what we read in Genesis chapter 4, is what we know about Abel. 
He was born to Adam and Eve. He had a brother named Cain. Cain brought his uh, uh, offering of vegetables, and uh, Abel brought a sacrifice of a lamb. And uh, God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. God was displeased with Cain's sacrifice and told him so. said, all you have to do is go get one of your brother's lambs. Sin lieth at the door. The sin offering's right there. And what did, we know what Cain did, right? Cain became the first murderer where he lifted up his hand and slew his brother Abel. Abel is one of three characters in this chapter that do not have any sort of mark against their name as is recorded in the Word of God. Now here's what the Word of God says about all of those characters. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in this chapter, Abel, Enoch, and Joseph have no blemish. Against their character. You really have to stretch it with Joseph to say maybe pride, maybe. But that's a stretch. But Enoch, no blemish. Abel, no blemish. But we know they were sinners because they were born of man and woman just like you and me. Uh, hang on, maybe. Just like your children. Amen. Yeah, yeah, amen. That's a little easier on that one. Cain, or Abel is mentioned 12 times in the Word of God, eight times in the Old Testament. Genesis 4.2, Genesis 4.4, Genesis 4.8-9, and Genesis 4.25, and four times in the New Testament. He's mentioned in Matthew 23.35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel, he was talking to the Pharisees here, unto the blood of Zacharias, Luke 11.51, kind of a, a parallel verse here, it says, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias. And then here in Hebrews 11.4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And then Hebrews 12.24, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. <clears throat> And as we will many times in the study of this chapter, we already read that Old Testament passage there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. So let's look at a few things, if we could, this morning in regards to Abel's faith. Let's look at, number one, the way of Abel's faith. The way of Abel's faith. I believe that we learn here that Abel's faith, uh, the way of Abel's faith was by faith in the Word. Now, they didn't have the Bible like you and I did, amen, but they had the Word from God. They had the Word that came down through Adam, amen, and was passed on. Uh, Romans 10 and 17, it's a verse that you're probably already familiar with, but it's a verse always to remember. Faith cometh by and hearing by the Word of God, amen. <clears throat> we must especially <clears throat> rely on this scriptural principle for this account in the Bible. Amen? For the account of Abel receiving the Word of God is not specifically recorded for us in the Bible. Okay? But, fret not, there are several other examples of this in the Word of God that we take on faith. I think of Jesus' statement concerning giving. It's in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. If you have a red-letter Bible, you'll have all kinds of black between John and Acts, and all of a sudden you'll see this little red phrase. And it says, For he hath said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Now, the Gospels don't record him saying that, but at the book of Acts says he did say that, and it has it in there for us. So what do we do? Do we say, well, he didn't really say that? No, we take it on faith. It's recorded for us in the Word of God. I think about Elijah's prayer that when he prayed that it might not rain. Hey, we remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, but there's no mention of the prayer. The mention of the prayer is in the book of James. That means, listen, I can take that on faith, amen. And so here is this example, and I like what John Phillips said about this. He says, the Holy Spirit records incidents nowhere else in the Bible. After all, the ultimate author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And He can reveal what He wants, to whom He wants, when He wants. I like that, amen. He, he says here that uh, Abel's faith was the way of by faith in the Word of God. However, the inference is clearly seen here by faith enough in Genesis. After man fell in Genesis chapter 3, you remember the story. You remember how Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came and was more subtle. We realize this was Satan in the form of a serpent. And he said, Yea, hath God said, He shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And Eve said, We may eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And what did, what did the serpent say? He said, what he's been saying ever since, Ye shall not surely die. God just knows that when you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like Him. And He doesn't want you to be like Him. Remember what happened. Eve began to look after that tree and began to lust after that fruit and long to have all that would go along with it. And she took it, gave it unto her husband, and man fell, became sinners right then and there. After that. In verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, God gave the promise of a seed of a woman who would bruise the serpent's head. It's the first promise of a redeemer in the Bible. One that would be wounded by, but ultimately triumphant over Satan. And we see that in Christ on the cross. We see him wounded for our transgressions, but triumphant, amen, through the resurrection. In Genesis 3.21 says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. Remember what they were wearing before the skins? They were wearing their man-made fig leaves. They had sin, and by the way, it's interesting, as soon as they became sinners, they knew they should cover up. Aren't, aren't kids wonderful? Little kids? Forgive me, you ever see a little kid running around holding his diaper? Just running, they don't care one bit. They're just running around. There they are, swinging the thing around, and you're like, oh goodness, help us, Lord. They're just no, no shame whatsoever. Listen, man was created in innocence, there was no sin. And then, as soon as sin came, man knew he had to cover up. I wish he'd learned that lesson again. I, I say, people talk about your favorite seasons. Like, what are your favorite seasons? Fall and winter. They look at me like I have two heads. I say, why? I say, because people clothe themselves in fall and winter. I love it. Amen. Oh, I love summer. Not me. Amen. Good night. Genesis 3.21. He made them coats of skin. Their, their, their man-made fig leaves wouldn't do. So what did God do? God sacrificed innocent animals, a lamb. I have a great book in my library called The Doctrine of the Lamb by J. Sidlow Baxter. 
He follows the Lamb from this passage in Genesis all the way to Revelation when you see the Lamb seated on His throne. It's an amazing book, just a, just a fantastic book. The Doctrine of the Lamb. What do we see here? God sacrifices the, these innocent animals and gives the coats to cover them to Adam and Eve. So what about Abel's faith here? That he said, It says there that by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. It was by faith in the Word of God, but it was also by the shedding of blood. Again, follow that lamb with me. When's the next time you see him show up after this? We see him in Exodus chapter 12, don't we? When that God institutes something called the Passover. Remember, uh, Israel was in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And God said, I'm going to deliver you by these ten plagues. And I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set apart a lamb and I want you to make sure it's perfect. No blemish at all. None whatsoever. And I want you to take that lamb and I want you to, to take its blood and shed its blood into a basin. And you're to take some hyssop and you're to take that blood and sprinkle it upon the doorposts and upon the lentil of your house. And when I pass through, when death itself passes through, because remember it was the death of the firstborn, whether you were Israelite or Egyptian, all the firstborn were going to die. But those that were under the blood, those that were protected by the blood, he said, I'll pass over you. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, about our Savior Jesus Christ? Here Abel sacrificed a lamb. God requires the shedding of blood, or else the Bible says there is no remission, Leviticus 17.11, Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Can I tell you what Jesus Christ did on the cross? He shed His blood. So that everyone who accepts His payment for sin could be passed over, safe under the blood. It's quite obvious in this story, as we go back and think about Adam talking to his boys, to Abel and Cain, saying uh, that, listen, there, there is going to be, we're going to have to make offerings. We're going to have to cover our sin. Thank God you and I don't have to cover our sin anymore. It's cleansed by the blood of Christ. But in the Old Testament, there was a covering. And it had to do with the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. And that's exactly what Abel did. And that's why God had respect unto his offering. Because he shed the blood. So the way of Abel's faith. It was by faith in the Word of God. It was by the shedding of blood. How about the worth of Abel's faith? Number two, the worth of Abel's faith. I like what it says there in verse number 4 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith offered unto God. Think about this. There's that great song we sing at Christmas time. What could I bring him? What could I bring him? Well, what does he require? Right? What does he require? Abel offered a lamb unto God. Genesis 4, 4, it says, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto his offering. Can I say this? Uh, first of all, uh, in regards to the worth of Abel, Abel's faith, this was a sacrifice. 
This was a sacrifice, not only just in the theological sense that we've just discussed where the blood was shed, and yes, but also, listen, it was a sacrifice financially. This was a sheep. It was, forgive me, when it comes to shepherds, this is a sacrifice emotionally, ladies and gentlemen. Shepherds get attached to sheep. It used to bug the snot out of me when somebody's cat would die, and they'd say, you know, pray for me, I lost my kitty cat. I'm like, oh my goodness, cat. I hate cats, amen. I hate my mom's dog too, amen, but that's just, you know, people say, oh, you know, and then we, years ago, Brother Lolly, we had a Rottweiler, okay, and I want to tell you something about Rottweilers. They take up space. It's like a, it's like, forgive me, Miss Sierra, it's like a bear in the room, you know, just like, they're everywhere. And, you know, and all of a sudden it was gone. And it was like a presence was missing. Literally. My, my feet would get cold. I said, why? Because he always laid on my feet, amen, and kept them warm for me. Listen, shepherds love sheep. They care for sheep. Didn't Jesus give us the example? Which, which of you having a hundred sheep if he lose one? Doth not go out into the wood. Why? Because he hears that sad cry. That's my sheep out there. This was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. You know what else? Something else about the worth of Abel's faith. It was not only a sacrifice, but there was a shedding. Listen, the 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 procedure. And again, to us in in this day and age of no blood sacrifice, it seems so gruesome. But the procedure was they were to take their hand and put it underneath. The, the sheep's chin and hold them up and look that sheep right in the eye as they took the knife and shed its blood. You know why? I believe why? I believe God wanted us to be reminded of what our sin costs. It costs something. There was a shedding. Death and blood were required to show the awfulness of sin. So this was a sacrifice. There was a shedding. And then you know what else, ladies and gentlemen? When you think about Abel's lamb, Abel's sacrifice, and taking it all the way to Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who was born to take away the sin of the world. Amen? You know what I see? Not only a sacrifice and not only a shedding, but this was a substitute. You know know the song. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross. Amen. Why? Because I'm the sinner. He wasn't a sinner, and yet He hung on the cross. Why? Because He was the substitute for our sin. All our sins, ladies and gentlemen, were placed on Jesus. I believe, and again, I'll step over a second, I believe that that began to take place in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was praying, and He was, he was in agony, and, and as it were, great drops of blood began to fall off Him. I believe, Brother Stark, that's when God began to place our sins upon Him. Not, not just a few sins, ladies and gentlemen. All the sins of all the world of all time. What was he? He was our substitute. He was our substitute. He died in our place. A.W. Pink 
wrote a great book on Hebrews. Hebrews is 13 chapters. Uh, A.W. Pink, he's a hyper-Calvinist, you have to be a little careful, but wrote a great book on Hebrews. It's 1,300 pages long on 13 chapters. Think about that. He said this, the whole human race sinned in Adam, and the wages of sin is death. Either I must pay those wages and suffer death, or another, an innocent one, on whom death has no claim, must pay those wages in my stead. And in order to my receiving the link of contact between me and him, faith it is which unites me to Christ. Saving faith, then, in its simplest form, is placing of the substitute between my guilty self and a sin-hating God. Never forget God hates sin. Never forget what He allowed His Son to go through. That's how much He hates sin. You either have Christ or you're in your sin. Thank God you can receive Him if you've never, never trusted Christ. You can be forgiven of your sins today. Amen. The way of Abel's faith, it was by faith in the Word and by the shedding of blood. The worth of Abel's faith, it was a sacrifice. It was a shedding. It was a substitute. I like this. Number three, if you look at Hebrews 11.4, let's look at the witness of Abel's faith. It says, by which, the faith, he obtained what, church? Witness. That he was righteous, God testifying of his gift. His faith caused God to testify on his behalf. Can you imagine such a thing, Brother Ken? Think about that. His faith caused God to speak of Abel. What did he say about Abel? That he was righteous. That he was righteous. Do you know one of the greatest verses in the Bible regarding substitution, regarding our faith, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Would you turn there with me, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. The witness of Abel's faith. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. So what, what does God testify? He testifies that he was righteous by faith. And it says here in 2 Corinthians 5.21, are we there, church? Amen. Amen. I hear, still hear some pages ruffling. Amen. Amen. I, I could wait. Amen. Maybe I shouldn't. Let's go. Uh, verse 21, it says, For he hath made him, the Father hath made the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that what? we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I don't know about you, I try to live a righteous life. But I fail a lot. And all God's people said, yeah, of course we do. But you know what? That's not the righteousness that we're talking about. We were talking about this a little bit in Sunday school. This is when God looks at you if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you put yourself under that saving, cleansing blood, He sees you as already forgiven and righteous. Now that's our, our standing before God. Our state is always having to deal with sin in our life, and all God's people said. 
But our standing before God, think, read, read that verse again. Think about the cross. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus went to the cross. He was the sinless substitute, the Lamb of God on our behalf. Amen. Died for sin once for all. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So you know what Abel's witness is? That he was righteous. How? By faith. How are you righteous? By your works? Nope. By faith. Only by faith. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You have to have faith in me to be righteous before the Father. So the witness of Abel's faith caused God to testify that he was righteous. It caused God to testify that he had God's approval. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. If you have placed saving faith in Jesus Christ, God approves of you. God approves of you. Now, does He approve of everything we do? No. Of course not. I'm talking about in a general state here, God approves of you. Test, God testifying of His gifts. Remember when the story of Job, it's such an interesting account and it's such a deep account. It's probably the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. But remember Miss Robin when he said to Satan, God said, have you considered my servant, Job? Now think about that. that. That means God had an opinion about Job and it was a good opinion. Listen, if you by faith have trusted Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says in Galatians 3.26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That means that's my child is what God says. That's my child. He belongs to me. The witness of Abel's faith, the worth of Abel's faith, the way of Abel's faith, and I give you finally here the wonder of Abel's faith. The wonder. Look at, go back to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By the way, we could talk a lot about Cain here. We could talk about how his sacrifice was bloodless. He just brought his vegetables, brought the best he had. Listen to me, you can't bring God the best you have. God has made provision for you to be saved. It's the best he had, Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't bring your, your works and your baptism and your righteousness and your charity. All that is, forgive me, is rotting vegetables. That's all that is. It's not good enough. Jesus Christ was good enough. Nobody else was good enough. Jesus Christ was good enough. You can trust Him and have all your sins forgiven or not. That is up to you. But He is the only way. So what's the wonder of Abel's faith? It says there, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. That blood sacrifice, that substitute, amen. By the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift. And here it is. Here's the wonder. And he being dead... Yet speaketh. You know, one of the most 
difficult, and, and death itself is, is a sermon. It certainly is. One of the most difficult parts of death, as the years roll on after somebody has died, is not hearing their voice. I had a, several folks from our church here that had passed away through the years, and I would save the last voicemail I had from them. And I would listen to it over and over just to hear their voice. Think about people like Brother Jim Holy. He used to sit right over there. I just had a voicemail from him. You know, Brother Holy gave me this ring. I lost my wedding ring out on the softball fields. I, I would always, I, I actually still do on my keys. Uh, I hook it to my, my uh, little clip that I have with all my keys. And my mom took the keys. We don't know what happened, whether it fell off before then or after then. I blame mom. That's an easy way to do it. Just blame mom. It's fine. Amen. Yeah, sticking her tongue out at me as I'm preaching to her. Amen. But Brother Holy heard about it. And Brother McKinley, he said, hey, I heard you lost your ring. And he said, you know, he said, I, I've buried a spouse, and he said, I believe, I, I said, I believe we're about the same size, and he just gave this ring to me, because he knew I had lost it. It was just, a, and, and I remember, I, after he had passed away, we were up in Mackinac when, when he passed away. My wife and I were on Mackinac Island, and I remember writing his funeral sermon on Grand Hotel Stationery. I still have it, and I remember just missing him, and oh, I go back to my voice. I think, I wish I had a voicemail from my dad all those years ago. You know, I just don't have one. But one of the saddest things is when somebody passes away, is just not being able to hear their voice. That's why videos are so great. If you look at old videos and stuff, and you're like, oh, there they are. And we, we used to have one years ago from my graduation, and my mom's brother was there, my mom's mom was there, and I'd watch that. I said, oh, just to hear their voices again, to hear their laughter. And you know what it says about Abel? Listen, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. Abel, at the, at the writing of Hebrews, Abel has been dead about 2,500 years. He's, listen, he's the first one, the first human being to physically die, for whose life physically ebbed out of him. And it says here that he being dead yet speaketh. We were talking in the choir room and said, aren't you glad for people in your life that have impacted you and that have taught you? Maybe even taught you in the faith and they're gone. But they still speak through you. I think of all the little, the little sayings that Brother Phil Tharp used to say. I, I, I probably ought to get with his sons and have them write a little pamphlet of the, the little things that he used to, to say to us and that have affected me so much. He used to say, your trials can make you better or bitter, but you get to choose. Now this man lost a wife to brain cancer, lost a grandson in a car wreck, lost his health for two years to Guillain-Barre syndrome, lost his ministry, you know what he used to say with that frozen palate, Miss Kim, with that frozen palate? He used to say, better, bitter, better, bitter. My goodness. I think about that. He used to say, life is what happens when you have something else planned. 
deep spiritual truths. You know, he's been gone since 2005. Went to his funeral over there in Ionia. He being dead, yet speaketh. I think in my own life, Dr. Tom Malone, senior who affected so many people, trained so many preachers. I believe almost 1,200 preachers came out of Midwestern Baptist College in 50 years that went out and planted churches and went on the mission field and all that. And he affected each one of us. You know what Abel here, he being dead yet speaketh, he speaks to the blood-sprinkled way. There are so many churches that are removing the blood, that have no use for the blood or the gory story, as they call it. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Abel has been dead now for almost 4,500 years. And what is, what's, what is he being dead yet speaketh? He speaks to faith in God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, that's what it actually says there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. We read it at the beginning. Let me read it again. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things of Abel. If you read about Jesus in the book of Hebrews, he's always better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. And you know what? His sacrifice is better than Abel's because Abel's was just for Abel. Jesus is for all of us. When a Christian dies, many people say, well, he has gone to his reward. We understand what they mean, but technically they are incorrect. For long after a Christian is dead, his reward continues to add up. You see, Every act we do for the Lord here sends out ripples of influence which touch lives until the end of time. That is what the Scripture means when it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. What we do continues to branch out so that when, when we stand someday before the Lord, we will be amazed at what has developed from the seed that we have sown. This is the equivalent, ladies and gentlemen, of men today who plant trees. Hmm? Knowing that they will never enjoy their shade or fruit, but someone will one day. Lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven, not on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The man who led Dwight L. Moody to the Lord, Edward Kimball, will have part interest in all the souls and the good work which Moody did, and then in turn a smaller fraction of what Moody's converts accomplished, etc., etc. Only God, therefore, could possibly mete out a just reward to each of His own children, and then only at the time of harvest, after the full fruit of their deeds has become manifest. Mother, said a sweet Christian girl one evening, I want you to give me a little apple tree in our orchard. Why, my child? 
They are all yours, for they belong to our family. Yes, but I mean something different. I should like to have a little tree for my very own, and the apples which it bears I would like to give as a present to the Lord. The child was allowed to choose a tree. Placing her hand on the trunk, she said, Little tree, now you belong to the Lord Jesus. Sometime later, the mother sent a gift to some missionaries, and after relating the above incident, continued, Our little one was suddenly taken home to be with the Lord. She has now been a year in heaven, and this year the tree bore fruit for the first time. I am enclosing what we received from the sale of the apples. Yes, Christians may rest from their labors, but their works do follow them. When on that day we all shall meet, our Savior at the judgment seat, the seeds now scattered far and wide will, with His blessing, sheaves provide. He being dead, yet speaketh. The wonder of Abel's faith. The witness of Abel's faith, that he was righteous by faith. The worth of Abel's faith, it was a sacrifice, it was a shedding, it was a substitute. In the way of Abel's faith, it was by faith in the word and by the shedding of blood, without which there is no remission. All of Abel's faith points to Jesus Christ who died on the cross, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God by faith. Father, we love You. Thank You.